Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, the very best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Jingle balls to the wall, gentlemen. Listen up. It's time to gear up and give yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits, so why not do the same below? The Perfect Package also comes with a pair of Manscaped Boxer Briefs and the Crop Reviver Toner, which will keep your junk feeling fresh. Give yourself the gift of below-the-belt grooming this holiday season with the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. Again, that's promo code BIGHEADS for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Clean up below the belt this holiday season and make Santa proud by going to manscaped.com today. Welcome to the Serie A show. Everybody and welcome back to another edition of the City Ash Show. It was an absolutely packed weekend. A lot of talking points. As always, I'm joined by Chloe and Nima. So, guys, I don't know where we should start. We could talk about the results. We could talk about the crisis that Fiorentina and Napoli find themselves in. But let's start with the notable match, Sassuolo Juve. Um, in your preview show, uh, we both of you thought which you kindly filled in for me. Um, you both thought that uh, it would be pretty easy going for Juve. Chloe, how shocked were you by this result? Because I, I have to say, um, I was totally stunned. I was. It, it was, um, you know, uh, listening to the commentary on TV, I, I'd forgotten that Sassuolo ne- never actually won at Juve Stadium before. So, you know, or never even got a point even. So it was, you know, the way they st- the Sassuolo players celebrated at the end to get the 2-2 was um, not really surprising. Um, but Juve, yeah, they looked shaky and and they they recovered towards the, the end and they looked a lot better when they brought Dybala on. But it was a case of too little, too late, I think, really. They they, they really pushed to get the winner and it, it did look like they were going to take the win um, after Sassuolo had gone two one up um, through that penalty, but yeah, they they just did they just ran out of time. They got it back to two two, but they just couldn't find that winning goal. And um, you know, <laughs> mentally, I guess we'll see see where that takes them in terms of the league because Inter have now overtaken them. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not, you know. Juve are, you know, they have a bad day and they draw. And the reason why they drew, sure, they, they didn't play well. But, I mean, Buffon basically cost them the win, let's be honest. Well, that, that horrific uh, blunder he does is the reason why Juve don't win this game. Because Sassuolo, although they played decently, they didn't really create that many chances. And the ones they created, they, they capitalized on, which is, you know, which happens at times. 
but but to me this was this was just one of those days where things didn't go so well and individual errors more than an actual tactical group or or like a functional error or tactical error this was more of a kind of where they weren't really motivated where they you know where where individual errors you know cost them a little bit but having said that two points off they have you know they have much easier games left before the campione di inverno the halftime point I mean, you Inter have Napoli, Atalanta, Roma, and Genoa, uh, <laughs> and Fiorentina, just to name. I mean, those are those. There is no way Inter are winning all those five. Whilst Juve have Sampdoria, Udinese, they have. I think they got Roma and Lazio as well. But I mean, it's it's just to me, this is it's it's way too early to say. Sure, Inter are putting pressure on Juve in a way that we haven't seen uh, for a long time. Maybe Sarri, Napoli under Sarri is the, is the only. Uh, you know, close uh, um, is is the only year we can compare to that comes close. But to me, this this was just it was just one of those games where Juve were a little bit disinterested and Buffon, who I've always respected and loved, is just ruining his legacy with these mistakes. I just hope he, I really hope he hope he retires this season. I don't. I want to remember the Buffon. That you know, it's 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 you know the 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 Totti at his best, Maldini at his best, Buffon at his best, Buffon these past two three seasons. It's been a steady decline, and it's quite painful to watch. Well, do we want to talk about on the other side the goalkeeper making his debut, eighteen years old for Sassuolo, Stefano Turati, who I thought did really well. Um, it was it was interesting because, listen, I don't know if anybody follows it, but there's always this joke that. Um, when Sassuolo play Juve, uh, Berardi <laughs> never takes part in the match. And it's always yeah. very curious and everybody likes to give him some stick and Juve stick for that. Um, but the replacements, my goodness, uh, Boga, they did great. That for me was the most surprising thing above all. For me, Boga, for me, Boga, he's been, he's, he's, he's a very interesting player because he has characteristics that stand out in the Serie A. And I think that's why he ends up scoring important goals against teams like Inter and Juve uh, time and time again. And he, he, he's very good individually, technically, one on one. And he's very strong and, and he's clinical when he gets, you know, he doesn't hesitate when he gets into chances. And I think that's, that's something that he, that, that really helps him in the Serie A. And, and, but, but then if you, when, but then when you watch him in the rest of the games against, you know, he, he can go, he can absolutely look so poor throughout the match. But then he has these small moments of brilliance. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a very interesting player. I don't know what to make of him just yet. Yeah, well, he was linked to a lot of clubs in the summer, Roma being one of them. And I, I had the chance to speak to his agent, who is actually his brother. And his brother was really um, offering him to many clubs, particularly throughout Italy, France as well. And I think the best thing that could have happened to him was staying there because I think potentially – I think he could be a very good substitute for Berardi because we don't he he's linked to a move away from Sassuolo every single summer and we don't know when that eventually is going to be but when that happens it looks like that they at least have a viable replacement. Yeah, definitely. He he actually reminded me on um Sunday of in sort of physique and his movement of Zapata a little bit. Um it was just it was just something about the the way he's very mobile in his movement um I, but 
Sassuolo is a good place for developing talent. Um, a lot of players have moved on from there and, and gone on to good things. So, um, yeah, it, it probably was a good thing that he, he stayed put. And if he can get some consistent performances together, then I'm sure a, a move to somewhere bigger will be on the cards. All right, now let's go to the fun stuff, Chloe. Uh, your Fiorentina and Napoli, <laughs> <laughs> they both find themselves in these just awful situations in the league, unable to get results. Not at all convincing in their performances as well. So Fiorentina, they lose 1-0 to to Lecce. And then Napoli lose to Bologna 2-1 to at home. As Fiorentina were at home as well, no less. Um, I, I, what do you make of this? Now, the interesting thing is Fiorentina had so many shots and so much more of the possession, yet just did nothing with it. No. Chloe, how frustrated are you with this? And... Is this finally the end of Montella? Because surely Comiso should have and could have expected much better. Yeah, he could. He could. Um, it, it really did ruin my Saturday evening after today. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, We've all been there. I mean, <laughs> they started off brightly. They, they look quite good going forward. But I think that um, Ribéry obviously went off injured. But he has taken on the responsibility of being the sole player that can do anything in attack. And, you know, that sort of trying too hard and trying to force things was was just not working. Um they've they've just not they've just not clicked. Um some of the well there's certainly no depth in the squad, some of the, you know, positions where you've got a player out injured the quality coming in to replace them is just not there but Montella has got a lot to answer for um even though I you know I like him um and Camiso has said that he that Fiorentina are a big family and that Montella is is staying while they kind of work this situation out now that says to me that he's maybe thinking of investing in January um he didn't really um considering he's coming with a lot of money and he's promised to spend in reality he didn't really get the chance to spend a lot in the summer because the the focus was on shedding the dead wood they had over 60 players on their books and they had to get rid of quite a lot of them or most of them really um so you know the sporting director Daniele Prade's time was uh, a lot of that was spent on selling a lot of the ridiculous number of players that they required. So maybe he's thinking, yeah, okay, you know, let's not. He doesn't want to follow the example of ridiculous owners, you know, in Serie A that hire and fire. Let's give him the <laughs> mentioning no names, Chilina, um, you know give him the January window to get some more players in that, you know, certainly some more firepower up front. And then let's see, he's, he's certainly not seeming to be a chop and change kind of owner. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I guess this is a long-term project and we've just got to suck it up for now and, and see what happens. I got to say though, I mean, I thought Fiorentina created so many chances, but Vlaovic couldn't score no. to save his life in that game. I, don't, I mean, and, and, and then again, he's a young player. And I think when you have young players in important positions, like a striker role, you know, when, when they're not mature yet, when they can't read the game, when, when, they, when they don't have the experience yet, 
then then these things happen because you know Fiorentina created so many chances it was insane and and one of them has to be a goal so i think that as, as absolutely montella should, has a lot to answer for because i think again this fiorentina side is 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 way too good to be where they are in this table um but i still think that i i, I think you'll have a lot of patience with with uh, montella comiso that is because i think he as you said i think th- this past summer it was all about selling players but also the Chiesa situation to Juve took so much of their time and so much of their energy that I think that this this summer, this January, I think it's all about strengthening, uh, you know, the, the, the situation, strengthening those positions where they weren't able to address in the summer. I think you're absolutely spot on there. But, I have, but more than that, I, I, I mean, I, we joke about Spalletti. I still think Spalletti would be ideal for Fiorentina, but I don't think that, I, don't, I honestly think that it would be too soon to, to sack Montella because the, the team respond to him and they do play some good football. It's just sometimes the ball just doesn't go your way. All right, now let's go to Napoli. And that was a very particular match because it, it was almost as if Napoli were in a very similar situation as Fiorentina. They had the bulk of the possession. They had way more shots. They had 30 shots, six of which were on target. They had 62% of the possession. Bologna did not even have a single corner in the match, yet they take all three points. Even more interesting enough, uh, the XG, Napoli was 1.75, Bologna 1.48. So certainly there's a bit of bad luck involved with this. I think we could all at least admit that. But again, uh, Napoli unable to get the result. Chloe, I mean, how much longer can this keep up? Yeah, I mean, we've addressed this before, haven't we? I think that, the, in my opinion, the whole thing needs to be raised to the ground and started again. I think the, the this project has come to the end of its cycle. Ancelotti, whether it doesn't suit him at Napoli, the atmosphere there, or whether it's just that he's a little bit long in the tooth now and a little bit behind the times. But, I mean, yet again versus Bologna, even though Napoli went 1-0 up, you know, you could just physically see on the field this massive, massive green space where their midfielders should be. I mean, they didn't even have Alan. Um, it was Zielinski and Fabian Ruiz. And, you know, they, they're, they're, trying, they're, they're pushing up. They want, they want to be in their more natural further forward positions. And there's just this gaping hole. I mean, if, if my question is, if we can see that, how how can the coach not see that and and as a problem and how can he not fix it? That's a really good question. I think this is something that we've been saying for for such a long time. As you said, it's weird to see this balance, and I think this was going to be addressed in the summer. He was going to change the formation to the four three three or four two three one to kind of build to have more players centrally. But that's not, you know, but for whatever reason, he's insisting with his 4-4-2 where they're essentially, there is nothing to protect their defense in front of midfield. And this is this is why they hemorrhage goals. It's not hard to attack teams. All teams are now too skilled to once you be, once you play past the first press, if there is nothing there and there's like acres of space to attack, they will hurt you. Like most teams are are, are so skilled now. And and this is so easily fixed, but this again, it's it's it, it just De Laurentiis seems to 
not want to take responsibility for anything and it's just shifting blame uh, and, and it's just making it worse by the day by making ridiculous statements and ridiculous uh, actions and, and coming up with this, like he's, his craziness and, 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 and flamboyance and, and, you know, all that stuff that used to be an asset to Napoli is now just a big, big problem. Everything he does, he just seems to tick everybody off from the squad to the coach, to the, to the fans I, I, you know, I don't know if I, I, I hope for Napoli's sake, when you say the project has come to an end, I hope you're including Aurelio De Laurentiis in that because this is not working out at all. For Napoli's sake, I hope, I hope they all leave in that case. Well, it's interesting because last week when uh, Arsenal sacked Emery, one of the first names that was linked to the vacancy was Ancelotti, and I wonder now because even he finds himself in this very precarious situation. I agree with both of you. It almost feels like this cycle has ended for them. And the good thing is for them, in my opinion, at least, I think they do have a lot of building blocks that should they decide to sort of hit the reset button, I think they do have several players that they can build upon for a fresh cycle. Obviously, we'll see some names, maybe Mertens, uh, Koulibaly, leave the club. But again, I still think they have building blocks who they can you know, use as the base or the foundation of a new cycle. But where do we think Ancelotti is right now with all of this? Do you think in his mind, maybe he does see Arsenal as sort of a fresh start or a greener pasture? I mean, Chloe, how, how do you think Arsenal views him? I think he still has, he still carries a really, really good reputation. I mean, if you've won the Champions League three times, you're going to carry that, aura of authority with you aren't you but you know that all coaches have a um, have a life cycle and you know Marcello Lippi is or was in China and you know there's a reason why he's not still at the very top of the the coaching game they, they do have a, a cycle and it does come to an end and sometimes ideas move on and they're not quite you know they're not innovators anymore they're they're sticking with their original philosophies if you like and it, and times have changed and you know I'm not saying that's definitely the case with Ancelotti but to me you know it didn't really work at Bayern either and uh, certainly by the end of his time there and and I'm not sure I'm not sure he's the right man for Arsenal I'm not sure he's he's a top coach anymore For me, it's uh, I think I think him to Arsenal would be, I I definitely think he could do a job there. But I mean, that's not what Arsenal would want. I think Allegri is more is more suited to to that project more than anyone because we I think he's such he's grossly underrated, Allegri. I think Anche, with Ancelotti, I think what would be it would be it would be good for him if he did what Mourinho did, took a while off, had a think, regrouped, and you know decide and, and then took the job and we, with a, with a new approach because uh, I think that I agree with 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 what with what Chloe says that everyone has a life cycle now do you have the humility and self-awareness that you you can say that to yourself and then reinvent yourself and work you know build yourself up again or don't you um, that remains to be seen but 
I, I, sure, if a new owner were to come, I mean, if the Altanis, uh, the, the Qatari owners from, from PSG were to take over from De Laurentiis, I think Ancelotti should stay because then he'd actually have a structure behind him that they can build around. Um, so I, there's a lot of questions. That's the thing. There's so many questions surrounding Napoli right now. And I think that's what the problem is. Um, shifting to the other match that you guys talked about in the preview show, uh, Verona-Roma. Roma score three against one of the most organized defenses. I was in attendance for that match and one of the most miserable experiences of my life. <laughs> Some of the most awful weather. I just... It was, uh, it was terrible. Sideways, it, it was <laughs> chilly, the rain, and Nima and I have spoken at length about the Bentagori, so there's no reason for me to rail upon it anymore. But... From a Roma perspective, uh, I thought it was extremely positive. I tweeted out, it's these type of matches where, and these are the, the, the sort of matches where I just I just think of Juve for some reason because they always seem to win these type of matches where it's ugly, it's not pretty, you require character, you require grit, determination, and sometimes that matters more than actual ability or technical quality that you have within the squad. It was a match like that that Roma would not have won under Eusebio Di Francesco. They would not have won that match under Luciano Spalletti. They would not have won that match under Rudy Garcia. And I thought it was extremely positive. Wasn't the greatest performance whatsoever, but I don't think that matters at all. But I couldn't agree with you more. But then but then also you're starting to get players back. Uh, okay, you lost Kluivert, Kluivert, but you got, you know, Lorenzo Pellegrini has been outstanding uh, Mancini and Smalling together back there that defense even even Santon is starting to look good again um, no it's it's uh, Roma are so good and they can attack you in so many ways and, and Mikitarian is back and no I'm, I'm really enjoying watching Roma I, I think that third place is definitely theirs uh, to to I think I think they're finishing yeah. third they're they're really 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 strong side and I think people who underestimate them they will do so at their peril Especially Antonio Conte this Friday. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this from an Inter perspective. It's, it's the mental toughness that I'm really impressed with. That you know, after a long, long time of, um, you know, not being able to recover after setbacks, not being able to pick themselves up, they've, they've battled through this period where they've had so many injuries with such stoicism and such, you know, they, they're just, they're just so tough and they just roll the sleeves up and get on with it and we've not seen that from Roma for a very very long time yeah I couldn't agree more and Paolo Fonseca I I can't say enough about him the way he has put his stamp on this team has been just admirable that's I guess that's the only word I can come up with um I mean he has guys like Davide Santon who again most teams uh he's you know most of the bigger sides he's a banter player He's actually doing relatively well. So, um, and what he's gotten from the likes of Mancini, Smalling, Diawara, Veretu, and Nima, you just mentioned him, Pellegrini, who is becoming the focal point of this Roma project. Whoa, whoa, um, yeah. And then you haven't even mentioned Zaniolo and Zapacosta and all these other players who are injured and and and, and or, or or doing really well. 
No, I, Roma, Roma have a have a Roma have a team. They really do, and they will be in the top three for no for without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, and again, the most impressive thing to me, in my opinion, is Fonseca did not allow the injuries to become an excuse. I mean, anybody can just look at how devastated Roma have been hit by injuries all season. But he's but that's typical. I mean, that's what I you know. I remember. I don't know, I don't know if I told you privately or on the pod. I think Palotta has ever since taking over Roma, he's really good at building year one. Like year zero is really good. Year zero, year one. The problem is it never like the full step towards, uh, you know, to, to you know year two and three things may you know not go all the way. But year zero, build, rebuilding from scratch, hitting the reset button, they always get it right. And and it's so impressive to see how they've done this under Sabatini and Baldini and now under Petracchi. Uh, it's really impressive to see. It's really, really impressive to see. What also was impressive was the match that we had yesterday between Samp and Cagliari. Chloe, this one was, I mean, I, I feel sorry for anybody who missed this because this one was an absolute cracker of a match. I, I don't know if it was a mixture of Samp bottling it or Cagliari being so poor in the beginning and having to come back and sort of make up the ground that they lost. I think there's a little bit of truth to both of that, but... Still, I mean, for the neutral, that was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I think actually Ranieri said it himself that they sort of, in the last 15 minutes, they sort of mentally maybe panicked and just let Calgary back in. And I think the fact that Calgary have got so many leaders, um, Rajan Angolan being one of them, that they they've turned into a really, not only a talented side and a side that are willing to attack, but they're, they're a tough side and, and they'll keep fighting until the very end, if not the 96th minute when they scored the winner. That's amazing. I mean, that second half, as in terms of quality, is is the best 45 minutes I've seen in the Serie A this season. It was absolutely fantastic. What I mean, the goals were just amazing uh one beautiful goal after another and then to watch Cagliari play that way they did um is so impressive uh they like you said they play with such confidence they play with with a big team mentality if you know what I mean they 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 play the way that you know that Roma Inter Juve you know back in the day Milan used to play when they when they wanted when they were a couple of goals down and needed to win they 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 keep charging forward they 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 hold their shape uh but then again look at that midfield i mean clavan uh sorry rog uh nangolan cigarini you know these are good players and then joao pedro and then also pellegrini that fullback who i think roma will regret bitterly letting go to juventus because he was again absolutely fantastic he was uh i don't know is he related to the other pellegrini are they brothers no relation no relation okay no but he was absolutely fantastic again uh, and and no, they they're gonna they're gonna be there. They're gonna be there all the way to, to the to the end. They have they play once a week, which is just about what what they what what Nainggolan can handle between smoking and partying. <laughs> so I think that's, uh, that's uh, it's the perfect mix. He's living La Dolce Vita right now. So to round out the week, we had Atalanta beat Brescia three to zero. We had Lazio as well win three to zero over Udinese. Milan beat Parma one to zero. So that is where we are going to leave this episode. We will be back later in the week to discuss the two big matches of the next match day, which is Lazio Juve and Inter Roma. 
So as always, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you in a couple of days. As always, if you could continue to share, subscribe, review our content, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.